Let me start with something as an intro to the feast and into the gospel that I want to look at with you. Just a, a little line to kind of start things off that will sound weird, but it'll, it'll make sense in light of what we're celebrating. And the line is this, that God is not an introvert, meaning that he, he's not the type like, like me, I'm completely, totally an introvert. I, I would much rather just kind of stay more to myself um, going into a, a party or a crowded room, I'm quite happy to take the corner and then look at my watch and wonder how long before I can leave. Um, but the Lord, He's not like that at all. I mean, he, his, he wants to reveal Himself and He wants to make Himself known. He does not want to be hidden, but He wants every man and woman and child to come to know him, every nation he wants to have come know him. And the reason for that is because he knows how he's made us. He knows that our hearts long and ache for a love that only he can give. He knows that because of sin, we are all in need of a savior. And there is no other savior but him. The scripture is very clear. There is no other name in which we are to be saved except the name of the Lord Jesus. And so he's desperate in a certain sense to make himself known to all of the nations because it's not like he could say, like, you know what, I'm just going to stay content revealing myself to the people of the Middle East and I'm going to let the people who live in America or who live in Asia, they're going to find another Savior who's going to take care of them so I don't have to worry about them. There is no other Savior. It, it's Jesus alone who reconciles us to the Father. And that's why we have in the first reading this beautiful prophecy of all the nations being drawn to the Lord because that's what has to happen. And what I want to look at with you today is notice that prophecy first begins to get fulfilled in a visible, real way in the gospel when the Lord draws these magi, these, these foreign wise men, kings, astrologers, kind of a mix of all of that, he draws them to himself to worship the Lord Jesus, the newborn king. But notice, he draws them to himself by first kind of piquing their curiosity through a star. And this is really, this is, this is really huge. The Lord reveals himself where the pagans are looking. I mean, you would not expect that, that these magi would just go on their own, out of their way, to open up the Jewish scriptures. You, you would not expect that they would do that. They're, they're, they're traveling from a far distance. They have their own worship, their own religion, outside of all of that. They're not going to just randomly pick up the Jewish scriptures and be like, oh, it's in Bethlehem where the newborn king is to be born. So what the Lord does is he begins to reveal himself where they are looking. And for them, part of the way that they, they, they looked for what God was doing was up in the heavens through the stars. And so it's there where they are looking that the Lord reveals himself and gets them moving. They see something that says to them, there's something going on here God is doing something. We want to we look farther. We want to we kind of dig in and see what is this all about. The star does not get them all the way there. They have to go to Jerusalem 
where the scribes and the priests will open up the scriptures and tell them, ah, the Lord has already told us the newborn king is going to be born in Bethlehem. So they, they need the detail that that deeper, greater revelation will provide. But he gets them going simply by piquing their curiosity where they are. Now, here's what I want you to notice, though. The Lord starts that revelation of himself to the nations by the guidance of a star. But when you cut to the end of the life of the Lord Jesus here on earth, after his death and resurrection, just before he ascends to heaven to take his seat at the right hand of the Father, just before Pentecost, the Lord says to the church, you all need to make me known to the nations. It's not fulfilled yet. It's not complete. And what started by the guidance of a star, the Lord says by way of the Great Commission at the end of the Gospels, He says to us, the church, you are now the ones that I intend on using to make me known to the nations. And I don't expect that everyone is just on their own going to randomly pick up a Bible and, and get to know me that way. It can happen occasionally. But the Lord, the principle is still the same, but the star is different. The principle is the Lord wants to reveal himself where people are looking. Like in the midst of their daily life, he wants to start to reveal himself. Only now, rather than, than a, a, an actual star in the heavens, the Lord says, I want to use you. I, I want to work through you to make me known. And the Lord is absolutely clear that this is the role that the church has to reveal him, the Lord Jesus, to the nations, which means it's the role, the command that every one of us has received. And it's going to be, it has to be through us that the Lord begins to reach the hearts of those who do not yet know him. And this is why the church exists. The church exists in order to announce and proclaim the good news of God's love and mercy and reconciliation to the world. I mean, it's that the world is deeply hungry for that love. It's lost without it. And we have the role of, of making him known. Now, a lot of people think, well, Father, that's just that I, I just think that my faith is just a, a private thing. I don't think that, I, that that role is mine. Well, you, you cannot escape the very clear command that the Lord gave in the Gospels. Go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's the command given to the church. Someone shared with me the other day, they were out to eat at a Chinese food restaurant and the fortune cookie that they had at the end of the meal when they cracked the fortune open, they sent me a picture of it, the fortune said, faith is personal, but never private. That's not a fortune cookie. Like, <laughs> like, if the Lord can use a star to get us to himself, clearly he's also not beyond using a fortune cookie. But it's true. Too often, we bail out of this mission, and, and, and we have a mistaken view that, that our faith is just a private thing. It's not. It's very personal but it was never meant to be private in the sense that it's like every man for himself. Like, I've got good news, but I'm not going to share it with you. But what often happens is we get intimidated. 
We, we, we fear, especially living in the, in the cultural climate that we have right now, that we think, rightfully, well, I don't want to go and like shove it in someone's face. Okay, well, the Lord's not asking you to shove it down someone's throat. But what he is asking you to do is just in the midst of your everyday life that you would let him work through you in the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit at the very beginning to pique the curiosity of the people that God has put into your life. Just to begin to open up the door, just like the star did. The star didn't, that was not the total revelation, but it was a starting point. The Lord says to you, I want to use you in that way. And this is my plan to work through you. So let me give you three really simple, practical things that we can do to perhaps pique the curiosity of the people that God has put into our life. And more often than not, these kinds of things are meant to play out in the relationships that God has given you. That's the the normal kind of ordinary way he likes to, to work most often. So three things that you and I can do at work, also at school, these are three things we can do no matter what our age. So here's the first one. And these are going to sound so simple, but I want to give you stuff that you could say like, gosh, I could do that. Okay, so that, that, that's, that's what I want to get stirred up in you. You can do this. So here's the first way to pique curiosity. Say grace before you eat lunch or dinner when you're out. Like in the workplace, if you eat in your cubicle or, or a cafeteria, I mean, like whatever that looks like, before you eat, just quietly say grace. I mean, just bow your head, make the sign of the cross, thank the Lord in your heart for the meal that you're about to receive. You don't have to tell everyone else who's already been eating, like, ah, you're such a pagan, like you didn't pray, I need to pray for, just on your own, just say grace. But what it, what, it, what it can do for people around you is it lets people know that, that there's something else going on in your life, like you're more than just the job that you're doing at whatever business or company that you work at. And you can do this at school as well. But it's a little way that perhaps can pique curiosity. And down the road, maybe when someone's going through a struggle, knowing that, wow, this is the person that says grace before they eat. Like, I've got a, something going on in my life. I need someone to pray for me. Oh, maybe they might reach out to you. That's one thing. Here's another thing. When people ask you what you did over the weekend, like when you're at school or work tomorrow, when people ask you, hey, did you have a good weekend? What'd you do? Include mass in your description of what you did. Oh, yeah, I had a great weekend. Spent some time with my family. I enjoyed watching the Patriots lose. <laughs> and I went to mass. Like, just... Like, but see, very often, that's the kind of thing we will deliberately leave that out. Don't leave it out. Don't be afraid to let people know, like, you had a great weekend. You can even tell them, oh, I went to Mass, the homily was awesome. I mean, you could say that, I don't know, it's up to you. But, but just don't leave that out. And it's not an in-your-face thing. They asked you what, you what you did, and it's a way of letting them know that you're a man or a woman of faith but maybe that will pique curiosity. Here's the third thing you can do. Look for opportunities to pray, to offer prayers for someone that might share with you a burden or a struggle that they're going through. You all get to know coworkers or other students at school that you have a friendship with. 
And there are times when they're going to open up their heart to you in ways that they will not open up to someone who's more of a stranger. And when they do that, just let them know sincerely. I, I'm, I'm grateful that you shared that, and I, I, I promise you I, I, I'll, I'll be praying for that. And then the door gets left open to asking them later on, like, hey, how's your son doing with, with that, that sickness he was battling, or whatever it might be? But look for opportunities to offer prayer for those who are struggling, and also look for opportunities to share with others just the little blessings that God has given to you. You know, the Lord is doing good things in your life. Just look for little ways to make that known, to share that with others. So these are all super simple, but these are ways that you and I can take up the role that we were meant to have, that we were given by the Lord, to be something of that star that can be the initial thing that might lead somebody out of curiosity to take a step toward the Lord. And this is the role that we've been given. We've, been re we've received such amazing gifts from the Lord, a love and a mercy that we did nothing to earn. We didn't buy it, we didn't work for it, it was just poured out on us. We get to feed on his body and blood every time we come to Mass. Like, we have gifts that are way too good to keep to ourselves. And the Lord says, please, on this epiphany, let me work through you. Let me light you up a little bit out in the world so that where any, wherever someone might be happen, happen to, be, to be looking, that maybe through your brightness, as my love shines through you, they, they might be led a little bit closer to me through you.